It's Saturday, September the 25th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, freedom for Meng Wanzhou and the two Michaels, and China's cryptocurrency crackdown. First, the week in brief. Meng Wanzhou, Huawei's chief financial officer, was released from more than two years house arrest in Canada after she reached a deal with America's Justice Department. Almost immediately, two Canadian businessmen who were detained by China shortly after Ms Meng had been arrested were released from jail. China had always claimed that its imprisonment of Michael Kovrig and Michael Spaver was not retaliatory. Ms Meng had been fighting extradition to America from Canada over Huawei's alleged sanctions busting in Iran. China broadened its war on cryptocurrencies, outlawing all transactions with the digital coins and banning, quote, mining, their energy-intensive minting process. Overseas exchanges such as Coinbase and Binance are barred from serving mainland investors. Separately, Chinese authorities detained two executives at HNA Group, a bankrupt conglomerate, over, quote, suspected crimes. Leaders of countries in the Quad Alliance, America, Australia, India and Japan, met face-to-face for the first time in Washington, D.C. and promised to cooperate on vaccine distribution and climate change, among other things. However, Chinese expansionism, while not explicitly mentioned in public, provided the subtext to the meeting. Quote, liberal democracies believe in a free and open Indo-Pacific, said Scott Morrison, Australia's Prime Minister. Seven countries signed a, quote, no new coal pledge, initiated by the United Nations, ahead of COP26, the UN climate summit in November. Britain, Chile, Denmark, France, Germany, Montenegro and Sri Lanka all promised to stop building new coal plants. Since 2015, the world has cancelled 1,175 gigawatts of planned coal-fired power projects, roughly the same as the total coal capacity of China. President Biden said that horse-mounted immigration police who chased Haitian migrants at the border with Mexico and ignited outrage for their aggressive tactics would, quote, pay. An investigation is currently underway and the agents have been reassigned. Meanwhile, the thousands of Haitians who had gathered near the town of Del Rio in Texas have been dispersed by American Border Patrol, many deported, and their camp disassembled. A spokesperson for Boris Johnson disputed Jair Bolsonaro's claim that Britain's Prime Minister had asked for an emergency food deal. Brazil's president said the deal was intended to ease a supply crunch of an unspecified food product. A COVID-19 and Brexit-induced shortage of truck drivers, combined with climbing natural gas prices, have fueled concerns of empty supermarket shelves in the run-up to Christmas. The European Commission rebuked FIFA, football's world-governing body, for its plan to hold the World Cup every two years instead of four, citing a duty to, quote, preserve a model that respects the interests of fans. UEFA, which oversees European football, 
expressed concerns that a biennial tournament would harm players' health and negatively affect women's tournaments. And word of the week. Curé, noun. A Madagascan word meaning a drought that brings hunger. In the south of the country, people have long been used to it, but in some places it has lasted for years instead of months of late. And now, here's today's agenda. Selection guaranteed. Kota Factory. Every year, over 150,000 teenagers flock to Kota, quote, India's coaching capital. The city in the northern state of Rajasthan is crowded with billboards of frowning professors peddling their classes, much like Bollywood stars endorse soaps. Hoardings show smiling, freckle-faced teenagers proud of their top marks. Some of these coaches boast of, quote, building beautiful minds, but heap on the pressure by reminding readers that, quote, it's registration time. Most pupils aim to ace the mind-bogglingly difficult entrance tests necessary to get into the prestigious Indian Institutes of Technology. Though few crack the exams, many crack under the pressure. Kota Factory, a web series on Netflix, highlights the travails of aspiring boys and girls as they go through the ringer. The programme's second season was released on Netflix on Friday. In revealing the brutality of the process, Kota Factory is a refreshing take on how not to mint geniuses. Frilling, Antwerp Lace In the 15th century, Charles V, the Holy Roman Emperor, ordered schools and convents in Belgium to teach lace-making. And though it took up to 10 hours of work per square inch, the industry boomed. Europe's aristocracy lusted after the intricate frippery. At one point in the 17th century, more than one-fifth of the population of Antwerp, a port city in Belgium, made the textile. On Saturday, P. Lace S, looking through Antwerp Lace, opens at Momu, a fashion museum in Antwerp. The exhibition traces the history of the delicate textiles production in the city, weaving historical pieces and paintings with contemporary creations. Designers on display will include Azadine Alaya, a Tunisian couturier famed for his lace-knit dresses, and Simone Rocher, an Irish designer whose voluminous dresses made from decadent layers of tulle and lace wowed the crowds at this year's London Fashion Week. That sort of sumptuous display should attract even the most straight-laced. Broccoli Brats – Why Kids Won't Eat Their Greens Making sure children get their daily vegetables can be a war of nutrition. The conflict is rarely fiercer than when fought over members of the Brassica family, which includes broccoli, cabbage and cauliflower. Research in the Journal of Agricultural and Food Chemistry suggests that kids may have more cause for complaint than adults realise. Compounds in these veggies can react with natural oral bacteria to produce nasty, sulphurous odours. 
Analysis of 98 child-parent pairs revealed that the amount of these volatiles produced varies greatly between people. But some children inherit repulsion to brassica. The kids who produced the most sulfurous volatiles were the most likely to spit out their sprouts. That relationship disappeared by adulthood as tastes grew more accepting. So when a child tries to refuse cauliflower, citing, quote, high natural levels of S-methyl-L-cysteine sulfoxide, parents can fall back on an old stratagem, telling them they'll love it one day. Teased off, the Ryder Cup. This weekend's Ryder Cup, a clash between elite European golfers and their American counterparts, began with Paul Drake Harrington playing the cheese ball. The European captain sent his players on a walkabout around the Whistling Straits golf course near Lake Michigan, wearing, quote, cheesehead hats, often worn by supporters of the Green Bay Packers, a local American football team. The intention was to lighten the mood. Ryder Cup crowds are notoriously partisan. European golfers abroad have been taunted about everything from their appearance to family tragedies. Indeed, the hostility of home fans could contribute to the tournament's considerable home advantage. Six of the past seven Ryder Cups have been won by the hosts. Whether Mr Harrington's preemptive bid to call the temperature works remains to be seen. But if the European team play with the same carefree attitude they showed on their press duties, cheesed-off American fans will be extra keen to knock them off their stride. Profile Xu Jiayin, Evergrande's founder On a 2011 trip to the Mediterranean, Xu Jiayin went yacht hunting. The founder of Evergrande, a Chinese property developer, was not looking for any old boat. He wanted to launch a floating wine club where he could impress business contacts and government officials. After inspecting a 100 million US dollars vessel, he judged it too plain for the price tag. Since then, Mr. Xu's fortunes have changed drastically. After making hay during a sunny decade for China's property market, Evergrande is on the brink of collapse. It has racked up 300 billion US dollars in total liabilities, leading to a government crackdown and already missed some payments to banks and suppliers. Mr. Xu's next move is unclear, but his adaptability will be an asset. Born into poverty in rural Henan province in 1958, his ascent from his humble origins started with a job in a foundry. There, as China's property market began to take off in the early 1990s, he convinced some co-workers to join a real estate venture. Evergrande was set up in 1996 in the southern province of Guangdong. Despite being a northerner, Mr. Xu adopted the local Cantonese version of his name, Hui Kaiyan. He quickly made powerful connections that helped the company to grow. He became a member of the Chinese People's Political Consultative Conference, an annual meeting of influential business people and prominent figures, and counts the brother of China's former Premier Wen Jiabao among his acquaintances, according to Australia Financial Review, a newspaper. 
Demand for homes from the burgeoning middle class made Evergrande China's second largest developer by sales. But Mr. Xu's interests extended beyond property. He bought a major Chinese football club and launched an electrical vehicle company with ambitions to overtake Tesla. Evergrande eventually pushed into financial services as well, becoming a sprawling conglomerate. In 2017, he topped Forbes's China Rich list with an estimated personal fortune of 42.5 billion U.S. dollars, though this is thought to have dwindled as Evergrande's share price collapsed. Many of the flashy assets are likely to be got rid of as Mr. Xu attempts to keep his business afloat. He will fight to remain as the skipper, but the seas ahead look choppy. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Edward Said: "We cannot fight for our rights and our history as well as future until we are armed with weapons of criticism and dedicated consciousness." That's it from the Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app, or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist Radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.